airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll try to move through our content so that we can get to your calls in the last segment of the show. So make sure you stick around for that. Um, We want to remind our listeners that we have an upcoming evening event. If you are within driving distance Mm -hmm. of our headquarters in Tupelo, Mississippi, Um, we want to invite you to the Marriage Family Life Date Night that Will the Great and I are hosting. So just an opportunity for couples to come out um, and um, spend the evening with us. Mm -hmm. What are (laughs) the details? I mean, marriagefamilylife.net. For good or for bad? No, just playing. Wait, it's going to be fun. No, it's going to be gonna great. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be great. As long as Brenda don't show up. Brenda will be there. <laughs> um, boy, you know, maybe we save it for Friday, but what an interesting exchange you and I had in the presence of our kids. Yeah. Uh, and having yeah. to make sure. I mean, they understood, understand who Brenda and Bob are. Yes. Um, But you accused me of being Brenda. You were wrong. Yeah, and, I, was, um, that's I, was, I was wrong, but it was, you know. It was funny. I, yeah, it was funny, and I was wrong, but I thought, you know, that that was the, the case. But it, you thought you were you right, were not but be, you were, being you were a Brenda at that, at I that was moment. Not. Nope. Not that you nope. have not ever been. But well, no, and I own that. <laughs> I have. I have. That was a sickness that I had, but I have recovered. And uh, anyways, uh, people, you, you, our listeners are familiar with Bob and Brenda. Uh, maybe Bob and Brenda should host this event. If people oh, want man. to attend, that would be wow. funny. If people want to attend, it's free, but you got to register so that we know you're coming because there's going to be some light refreshments served. I think mm-hmm. like some appetizers or something like that. Um, and and so if you're coming, you got to let us know. And um, as we get as we get pretty close to um, the the cutoff number, we have a certain number mm-hmm. um, that we can't go over for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Um. Anyways. <laughs> um, so you have to let us know so you're register. coming all right yes. yeah sorry about that it's just so you your go mind just goes marriagefamilylife.net and when you go on the home page there's a, a, a graphic right there on the, on the front page says uh, date night so you can click on that and it'll take you mm-hmm. to where you need to be so yeah february 9th 6 30 8 30 we're cutting it off at 8 30 um not kicking anybody out just you know I run out of words at 8.30. Just kidding. You you can stay there and visit if you want, you know. Um, Anyways, uh, yeah, but 6.30 to 8.30. So, you know, book a little babysitter or something like that Mm -hmm. and then plan on coming out, you and your husband or you and your wife, Mm -hmm. um, whoever I'm talking to at this moment. And uh, and I think it's going to be fun and hopefully encouraging. And uh, anyways, so... um, Go learn about that. Marriagefamilylife.net. That's funny that you have to say, you know, depending on who I'm talking to right now in these days, you know. You say you and your husband or you and your wife. You, know, <laughs> you got to be clear. Well, I if mean, you're I'm a just man, saying you if you're your a man wife. listening, I'm talking if about you, you and your wife. Yeah. If you're a woman listening, I'm talking about you and your husband. Crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. 
<clears throat> Anyways, <Anyway>. um, <laughs> yes. All right. So here's our topic today. The topic today is uh, when the sun rises on your choice. Mm. When the sun rises on your choice. And I was thinking about this. Choice. Have you have you had that moment? Um, some of our listeners may have had this moment in their life. I mean, if you live long enough, you're going to have this moment where you decide to do something uh, one day mm-hmm. and then you go to bed and then you wake up and then you go, oh, man, I regret that. Mm. I should not have done that. Like, yes. you, you know, you're just like. And then or or maybe it's not as immediate as just waking up and being like, oh, uh-huh. my goodness, I should have, you know, that whole like take a night and sleep on it. Just think about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. whole thing. You didn't do that. So sometimes we immediately feel the effects of that. Then there are times in our life where you get a little bit further down the line and you start to see the effects of your choice. Yeah. You, know, you the decisions that you make decisions every day that we make. Some of them have bigger implications than others. But, you know, the sun, it's, it's the sun rising mm-hmm. on your choice where you can see more clearly and see more vividly uh, what you have decided. And I was thinking yeah. about where we are at the church, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in the United States of America. And of course, when I say that, I mean Christians. I mean, we are the body of Christ. Right. And I think that there are people in this country that uh, very shortly here, and I'll, I'll use one story to support what I'm saying, and then another story to support the additional meaning, okay, for, mm-hmm. for what I'm saying, okay. Um, so just check with me here for a second. But I think um, very shortly here, um, maybe in like five days, <laughs> a couple days, <laughs> but, you know, just give them, give them some time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're going to see, right, we're going to see the yeah. sun rise on some people's choices, and it's going to affect a lot of people. And um, I think Christians, even who uh, maybe thought that they were um, virtue signaling in their voting, mm-hmm. right, showing that they're better than you, um, I think I think for those Christians, even the sun will rise on their choice. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be a lot of like, oh man, like you know, it's going to be the <laughs> it's going to be the Mother Gothel scream you know what have you done what have you done it's it's gonna be that kind of a thing and um when you think about that it's it's a little bit concerning i don't want to say scary because i think sometimes you know focusing too much on that Mm -hmm. can can remove from us the opportunity to focus on god's mercy and our trust in him right um and even his protection of us and so i think that's important but here's what i mean i was looking at this story will the great sent me this story last week And um, just thinking about this and and thinking about where we're going to go um, very quickly in this country, where we're going to go very quickly. um, And and this will be the sun rising. So here is this. uh, This is a Breitbart story um, talking about where President Joe Biden wants to take the country day one, day Mm -hmm. one. All right. Uh, President-elect Joe Biden vowed to his supporters that on his first day in office, he will begin removing any legal recognition of the two sexes by adopting pro-transgender policies. Um, This was Joe Biden, January 25th, 2020, in a tweet, January 25th, 2020, in a tweet, and this is what he said, let's be clear, transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. There is no room for compromise when it comes to basic human rights. According to Biden's campaign website, um, uh, this was the promise, right? This was the promise mm-hmm. on his first day in office. And I was trying to be careful or trying to be coy. So really we should just say in a couple days. All right. Um, <laughs> because he is sworn into office on the 20th of this right. month. Correct. Wednesday. Okay. So here we go on his first day in office. 
Biden will reinstate the Obama-Biden guidance that was revoked by the Trump-Pence administration, which will restore transgender students' access to sports, bathrooms, and locker rooms in accordance with their gender identity. He will direct his Department of Education to vigorously enforce and investigate violations of transgender students' civil rights. So that is coming up the pike um, most immediately, and it is coming with the type of fervor and mm-hmm. aggression that I think will be worse than the Obama-Biden guidance. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think there are, aren't many roadblocks. I mean, this is something that can be put through, and the resistance is pretty much non-existent, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think we're in for um, just some some different things coming forward. And I just wonder, you know, when, when we talk about sports and things like that, there's a big industry of women uh, sports. What's going to happen, you know, uh, to that? Like, will women be silent on this this well, issue? What we, what we know is that when women have spoken out, even athletes um, who have spoken out, and said, think about things like the Equality Act, which, mm-hmm. again, That's another, another just another one of his promises yeah. um, that the Equality Act will be signed into law in his first 100 days. Um, so just just that's another one of those things of the which sun rising on our choices. OK, um, it's, it's, it's huge. So but back to your point, though, even when we have seen uh, female athletes speak out and say that things like the Equality Act um, will effectively erase women and kill women's sports. Um, they are met with a type of hostility to me that is really alarming because, mm-hmm. you know, we had this moment right before we had sort of the um, the transgender moment overtake the female moment. We had this female moment in this country. Do you remember this? Right. I mm-hmm. mean, it was it was sort of attached to the Me Too movement mm-hmm. where um, I am woman. Hear me roar was like the thing. It was a sustained note for a long time. Um, crippled a lot of people in media because they were like, man, it's our industry to exploit women. What do we do now? Like, (laughs) you know, nobody really knew how to deal with it as far as uh, the Hmm. industry goes. And even you remember, I talked about this a lot, really vexed me. Um, Even the church was trying to grab at me Too slogans and hashtags and things like that. That's disgusting. What we don't need to, we have the scriptures, right? But at the same time, it was a popular thing. And so it's just another one of those iterations of the church, not knowing her identity, Mm. right? Trying to be like the world. So rather than go to the word of God, which teaches us how we deal with one another as it pertains to sex and sexuality and the way we behave in a way that is moral and upright before God, we grabbed hashtags. Right. And Man, that made me so mad. And what is amazing to me, when we when we talk about this, you know, and the church grabbing for identities outside of Christ, yeah. that's amazing to me because we have our identity supposed to be in Christ, Amen. which is rock solid, which is, yep. you know, something to to grab hold to, yeah. you know, and, and be sufficient. But yep. yet we go outside and, and want to, like, grab all these other things that are, man, well beneath, <laughs> you know, being in Christ. I'm telling you, it's I, it, I've used this analogy before. And so bear with me. I'm not trying to offend people, but I'm telling you, when I think of the church doing something like this, 
This is the picture that I get, right? So you think of the church as sort of like the girl standing over by the punch bowl. She's got the braces and her hair's kind of not doing exactly what she wants it to do. One sock is up, one sock is down. You know, she's, <laughs> you know what I mean? She's yeah. got the little Mary Janes on, you know, she's got a few breakouts on her face. You know, she's just a little bit awkward standing over there at the punch bowl. And then you have Jesus Christ, the star football player, mm. right? Who like walks over and <laughs> <laughs> then you've got the world that looks like, ah, I mean, right but jesus is like nope mm -mm, that one right there with the blemished face with the mm -hmm. braces and mm -hmm. the socks and the things and you know and really nobody's really looking in her direction but jesus goes over there right mm -hmm. and chooses that one yeah and it is that choice that makes her beautiful but what does she do even having been chosen by jesus christ what does she do she's like oh, maybe i should start wearing lipstick <laughs> oh maybe i need to do my hair like oh, that man. the girl over there the world the one that jesus did not choose yeah. okay do you understand what i'm saying Right. And that's what the church continues to do. It's like our value and our worth is in the fact that we have been chosen by him, mm. that we are now in him. And instead of that being enough, we're like in him and we're always looking over at the world like, but but maybe if we looked a little bit like Man, that, I don't know, may, maybe then we really would be special. Mm. Well, no, no, because you're special. Because he chose you. Amen. You're special because he died to make you a thing. Hmm. You know how people say, isn't it? You're not really a thing. You're, you're a thing <laughs> because he died for you. That's I mean, where your identity comes from. Think about it. Without hope, without God in the world. Like that, that, that was no, nothing else. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. Yeah. You know, dead in our trespasses dead and sins. Dead in our trespasses and, and he sins. made us alive. <laughs> like, I mean, that's oh, nothing. Man. And then yeah. God, you know, raises us up taking us out of the domain of darkness. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. But yet yeah. we give it up for like, you know, crazy stuff. Like exactly. Right. Oh, and anyway. so again, getting back to the original question, you know, what happens to um, women's sports? Mm -hmm. Well, if everything that we suspect with, without a fight on the part of these female athletes, um, I would say that the society that we live in has already let them down. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not taken into consideration uh, the cheating, you know, and, and all of these things that yeah. are still under investigation. But if you just say, if you say like, let's say everything was done on the up and up, mm -hmm. then society let female athletes down. I'm going to say society, let our society, let women and girls down. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not just those who are athletes. It's those who have to go to the bathroom. So I'm going to say that's all of y'all. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's every single right. one of us. Right. Right. Um, but I, I think that what we should expect to see in the first 100 days of a Biden-Harris administration is going to be strong, it's going to be destructive, mm. and it's going to be vengeful. Mm. I believe it's going to be vengeful. I, I believe it's going to come specifically after those who it is believed um, were at, at once the greatest opposition. Mm. So again, that goes into the category of brace for impact. Yeah. But there are also going to be some well-meaning Christians, if in fact they were well-meaning, who will see the result of their choice because the sun will rise mm. on that choice. This mm. is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back.
to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and as Brad, Brad and Rebecca, I am found. What do we do? Uh, Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll get to your calls in the last segment of the show, so hopefully you'll stick around and participate in that. What do we do when the sun rises on our choices? You know, the decisions that we have made over the years um, come into the light when the sun rises on on them. And um, I was thinking about this in addition to the article that Will sent me last week. I was thinking about this. I was reading a book last night uh, just before bed, and I thought, man, you know, I just some. I don't know if other of our listeners, others of our listeners do this, but you have all these books on your bookshelf. And so instead of um, buying uh, another yeah, book, yeah. you just go shop on your own bookshelf. You know, yeah. you're just like, hmm, let me, it becomes your own kind of like, you know, <laughs> Barnes and Noble of sorts. You bring your coffee mug over there and see what you haven't read. All right. right. Uh, and so anyway, without the coffee mug, I went over to my bookshelf and I was just like, okay, let's see, you know, and not to be oversaved, but I was like, Lord, you know, what should I read now? You know, like, what's, what's not the being next overseed. thing? You don't think the so? Lord can speak to you and say, I want you to pick that book See, up. but I don't know that I can trust you on that because you are oversaved. Wow. Like, you're just too saved. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so anyway, so as I had been seeing this book, like, off and on, and um, just finally last night, I decided to pick it up and, um, you know, read the front cover, the back cover, and just kind of, eh, you know, and then started reading it, and I just had to make myself put it down to try to grab a few hours of sleep before, you know, the baby was mm -hmm. up again. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, ah, you know, but this book is uh, do your children believe, do your children believe it's authored by a man named Terrence Chap Terrence Chapman, mm -hmm. uh, O N Ter Terrence Chapman. Okay. And um, anyways, I started reading it and I found it really uh, captivating and almost impossible to put down, except I forced myself to put it down. The foreword is written by Steve Green, president mm -hmm. of Hobby Lobby. And uh, as I started reading it, I was just wowed, like passage after passage. Uh, and I wanted to read a little bit of what I read last night that just was one of those jolting moments that, again, falls into the category of uh, the sun rising on our choices. And so much of what we see happening in this country um, and, and not to I, I, man, I don't want to have like, you know, um, you know, this club in hand for the church, for the bride, because we should not be beating up on the bride of Christ, right? At Amen. the same time, we have to take responsibility for the salt and light effect we're meant to have yeah. in any given culture. Yes. We have to take responsibility. We can't, um, we can't teach about that being salt and light without also being um, warned or concerned about the lack of being salt and light. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's the opposite of it is bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, so anyways, um, <laughs> so I say that, I say that to say where we're going to go from here is not to continue driving home. Hey, the church didn't do this. The church didn't do that, but it's to get us thinking about where we are now and what we might need to do. In fact, what, there's something else before I get to this book. Let me just say this in the history of the church um, and looking at the church in America, there was a time in the church's history in America where preachers preached in what was called these uh, Jeremiads, 
right? And and you hear in that Jeremiah, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because of the decline of the church in America that was observed by pastors and preachers. So they began preaching like just a series of sermons that were <laughs> calling the apostate church mm-hmm. to come back, come mm-hmm. back to the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, um, out of this, you know, some time would go by, out of this would come Jonathan Edwards and, you know, um, uh, Stoddard and, and just, I mean, it was just an amazing time. But even though we have kind of made that one in the same America, mm-hmm. this is actually a posture of the church, mm. right? Where the church is saying, hey, man, yeah. okay, we've come over here and the Lord has blessed us in the new world um, and we have fallen away. And mm. so what the church began to observe was that her offspring were falling away. This was also called declension, the decline of the church. Why am I saying all of that? Because where we are now is not new. Right. It's not new. Right. Whenever there is a there is a generation that has like hardship and the Lord blesses that generation, there seems to arise a generation after them that don't know God. <laughs> Come on. Right. It's like they enjoyed this moment of peace. And we've read about it in yes. scripture. It's in our church history, yeah. even here in the United States of America. The Lord brings the people to the new world. They are here because they want religious freedom, but there are all sorts of other people who come here who are not necessarily in it for the religious freedom. But in this whole process, the offspring of these people coming to this new world, they grow up and they are not as religiously convicted as their parents and grandparents. Mm -hmm. And so then what happens? There must be this call. Hey, return to holiness. Hey, return to godliness. Remember, it's the faithfulness of God that has gotten us this land. Don't forget God. This is sort of like a Deuteronomy 8 uh, type of call, Mm -hmm. right? Don't forget God. It's God who's brought you into this land. And so here we are in America. The church finds herself in the same place. But there is one component that remains the same. Whenever we're talking about the decline The decline is always most pronounced in the generations that follow. Mm. But here is what we have to recognize. If there if the generations that follow Mm -hmm. seem to display a type of decline, we must recognize that that decline was first expressed in their parents. That's right. And in their grandparents, because what we know is that each generation tends to kind of loosen up just a little bit more as time goes on. It's like, "Eh, it doesn't really take all of that. And so here we are, right? And we are in this time where we're saying, whoa, if we don't snap out of this, if we don't stop this decline, it will continue on. Mm. Because at the point that we are now, we've well, you know, breezed past our parents and our grandparents and it's our kids Mm -hmm. actually right now. (laughs) That's the focus, (laughs) right? And if we don't stop for a second and say, I don't know, something like sinners at the hands of an angry God. You know what I mean? (laughs) If if there's not a Jeremiah that is preached where people can say, hey, you know, God is grabbing our attention, then we don't stop this. This continues on. So anyways, Mm. I'm thinking about all of these things and I'm thinking about the sun rising on our choices. And I want our listeners to consider this. In the United States of America, and we say that each generation has kind of fallen off. Each generation has kind of declined, right? Mm -hmm. How did we get there? How did we get to the place where our children uh, have become our enemies? And even we're in this place now where we can ask the question, how are we at the place where our children will become our enemies? Mm. Right? So we don't have to be fatalist about this. There are still still things that we We can can and should be doing. That's right. Right? 
But if we're not um, discerning, if we're not careful, then not only are we saying, how do we get to the place where our children have become our enemies, Mm -hmm. depending on your age, Mm -hmm. or how are we at the place where our children will become our enemies, depending on our age? And here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I really believe that if you look over the years um, in America, Christians have focused on what has been most important to them as far as their posterity is concerned. Now, when you think about that, you think, okay, what did I want most for my children? Mm. Have we had this approach to our children? And so for some people, it will be thinking about your grown children, your adult children, mm-hmm. and maybe now even your grandchildren, right? Um, like for Will the Great and myself, it's going to be thinking about our children and then our grandchildren who are not here, mm-hmm. who are not here. You know, I, l- let me say this at, at this moment as well. Will the Great, your mom said something to me that was it just blew my mind. Um, she said this uh, several years back. It was kind of early on in our marriage. It may have been right at the time that we had our first child. Mm-hmm. And she told me that she had been praying for her grandchildren since you were a young man. Yeah. She'd been praying for her grandchildren. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, that's amazing. And and she said it in the context of um, something that Mariah was doing that we thought was extraordinary for her age. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I, I always pray for my, my grandchildren that the Lord would bless them with wisdom, that they would be smart, that mm-hmm. they would be intellectual and all of these things. And I thought, wow, you know, that generation, that generation really thought about the generation that they had not seen, mm-hmm. right? The generation mm-hmm. that was to come. That's different from the time that we live in now. I hate to say this, you know, in a way that might offend people, the generation that is now my age, right, um, and maybe the millennials right after our age will, uh, we think only about ourselves. Mm. We don't think about the grandchildren that we can't see or the grandchildren's children. We don't mm. think that way, right? Our nation has really kind of held up under that kind of conviction where you had people who thought about what they were securing or how they were living for a generation that they might not even see. Yeah. But they would benefit, you understand, yeah. from their sacrifices, benefit from the way they lived. That has changed. Now, this generation right now just kind of lives for itself, mm. not thinking about the generation that's to come. Mm. Now, having said that, let me go back to this. When we think about what it is that we have wanted for our children, if we are honest with ourselves, the top of the list has not been the preservation of the gospel. Right. No, I agree with you. And here's the tricky thing about it, right? We think of our enemy. We think of the adversary, right? You think of his tricks and, you know, his wiles and his schemes and all these things. It's got to be subtle because if it's too jolting, we might be kind of like jerked back and go, oh, wait, hold up a second, right? And so how has the enemy wrestled our kids away from us in plain sight? By having us focus on things that were good, but not eternal. And, and let me just say this to that point. You know, I, I've known the parents, you know, I've, I've known where it's a, a, a wanting of the children to do better than they did. Correct. But it wasn't like in spiritual aspects. It was more in like, you know, success in life and education. Yeah. Not be careers, where I was. You know, homes. Yeah, yeah. Cars. Yeah. Wealth and comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I want my kids to have that. Mm. I didn't have that. 
So I want my kids to have that. I had to struggle, so I don't want my kids to struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 watch this. At the same mm. time that I have this conviction, I love Jesus deeply. Mm. I love Jesus deeply. But the desires of my flesh. Now think about this, because so often we think of sensuality when we think of the flesh, mm-hmm. but we're just thinking about, we're talking about those things that are not of a spiritual nature. So the desires of my flesh, right, have kind of overruled the spiritual desire that I have. That, yeah, I want my kids, I want my kids to have the faith, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But we have to think in terms of not only wanting our kids to have the faith, but we want our kids to pass down the faith. Yeah. So we've got to live in a way that shows them that the faith, the gospel is that pearl of great price. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not <laughs> because see what we do in America mm-hmm. is we say, ah, oh, the pearl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that's an illustration person. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's not, no, the pearl, it represents something that is not the pearl. Mm-hmm. But in America we have said no, but the pearl. And, 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 and I'll say this. That the, you know, not all, yeah. but the church has aided in that mindset yes. of focusing on the pearl, on yes. focusing on the best life now, or That's right. focusing on things that are not the gospel, but that would make us feel comfortable while we're here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and wanting our children to excel in mm-hmm. that instead of, you know, uh, you know, the gospel, you know, we we've, we've, the church has been a part of that. Yes, that's right. Underscoring it. Yeah. Almost, if you will. And here's the thing, excuse me, that I find most tragic about that. When you think of the Puritans and you think of the Mayflower Mayflower Compact and Mm -hmm. you think of the early Christians who came here, it was not a better life for a better life's sake. In fact, they risked so much to come to this new world, Mm -hmm. but it was for the preservation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. It was for being able to live according to their deeply held religious convictions, right? It was, it was for the preservation of the gospel. And you can see the Lord honoring that and blessing that. But just within a few generations, there arose their children who were like, ah, you know, I mean, we're comfortable. <laughs> Things are pretty good. And so even though you see it manifested in the generations that follow, it's the responsibility of those who came over here. Mm. To make sure that you keep before your kids, this is why we're here. Yeah. This is what we're doing. And the same thing is true of Christians living in 21st century America, that we've got to keep in front of our kids the preservation of the gospel. What is of greatest importance? Because it's the failure to do this that has gotten us where we are now, where we hang our hat on mm. one particular candidate so, where so, we hang our hat on elections. So we need to go to God because there has to be a desire to want that, like to yes. to desire that the gospel is, you know, and the, the preservation of the gospel is it and not these other things. Our hearts may not even be there right now. It may no, still be, I don't think so. you know, like, oh, man, you know, this and prosperity or this or that, you know. So we have to have a, a heart change. We have to go to God and say, Lord, help us. Yes. That that's, this would be the focus. And I'm going to tell you, and we've said this before on this program, I really believe that that posture, that posture invites God to do the thing, oh, you didn't ask for this. 
Mm-hmm. You, you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and because we, we marvel at like, you know, Solomon who asked for this and the Lord's like, okay, because you only asked for that, I'm going to also give you this, mm-hmm. right? But very few of us are ever really willing to be in the position where we don't ask for that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, yeah, because, you know, I, I don't know that he might give that to me. I got to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. and so I, I really do believe that humility before the Lord, care for his church, conviction over the gospel and the preservation of it intact, right? Getting that to the next generation may secure for us an outcome that we didn't expect and frankly don't deserve, Mm. right? But we will never know if we will not humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I've been a little reckless with the gospel. Mm. I've been a little reckless in my care of, getting it to my kids intact. Mm. We got to confess that. All right, let's grab the break. Aaron the Addisons, we'll, we'll be right back. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in hell, let's obey this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to say to long back the following example cuts, a, cuts across all demographics and obstacles presenting a predicament that's common to each of us it's a looming crisis that remains as relevant today as it did 4000 years ago in the history of God's people among all the heroes of the bible few can match the sterling example and reputation of Joshua the Old Testament leader of Israel after the death of Moses, a stout warrior of deep conviction, valor and principle, a courageous visionary who brought back a daring minority report on the desirability of the promised land and then later led the entire nation in laying claim to it by conquering a vast number of established enemy armies. Joshua, whose given name and legacy proved semi-prophetic of Jesus, the one who would walk that very land of promise two millennia later, was a man among men, a spiritual giant of his time. All of which makes the biblical report of Joshua's death in Judges 2 and its immediate aftermath so noticeably surprising and distressing. Joshua, the servant of the Lord, died and was buried in the hill country of Canaan. And I'm sorry, as were all his contemporaries in the days and years that followed. The whole generation, the Bible says, in language that sounds so very King James in tone, had been gathered to their ancestors. But then the writer of the book of Judges added this disheartening observation. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The very next generation, they were already starting to forget. Let that dire descriptive statement settle on you for just a minute. Those who had grown up during the years when Joshua and his fellow leaders had shepherded their homes and nation were now adults and parents themselves raising the next generation of God's people. According to God's word, The prevailing pattern at play at that moment in Israel's history was of families and children 
who hadn't been taught, who couldn't remember, who didn't themselves possess a personal, intimate knowledge of the God who had made them distinctive as a nation. Mm. Shocking, isn't it? I was reading that last night, man, and my heart just burned in me. I thought, Lord, you know, we have such a responsibility to not only know who God is and what, you know, and to make him known to the nations, right? Mm -hmm. Like we think in these terms, but we have a responsibility to make him known to our children. Amen. So in real time, as we are living our lives and, Mm. and there's so many people who right now are in this fight mode for the nation and where do we go next? How do we regroup and where? But I would implore every believer, every genuine believer to be in fight mode for the gospel. Mm. How do we make sure that down the line, looking back, our kids will not charge us with folly that we didn't get the gospel to them intact. Mm. Nobody. How do you say you come from a long line of people who were Christians and yet don't know God, man, man. don't know who he is. It's like, we need, we need to have, like you said in the first segment, live now for future generations as far That's as the exactly gospel right. handing it down. Like, you know, don't just think about the times we are in now. Yes. You know, the Lord will do what he what he what he does. If it comes back, great. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when he comes, you know, but we're to occupy till he come. And yeah, so you, we have to have the mindset that for the our children and our children, uh children, children, what will they have? Will they have the gospel intact, able to like carry it on? Or mm-hmm. will the ball just be dropped right here and we'll see more generations that know not the Lord? Mm, that that is something that should grieve us, you know, and and hmm. and yet at the same time, we see a pattern of this. Let me give the number. You want to you want to talk with us? You can. Uh, the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. She'll take your call. By the way, welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And I was in Christ alone. Anthony Evans. I came back reading an excerpt from the book, Do Your Children Believe, written by a man named Ter- Terrence Chapman. Um, and uh, I was glued to it. And, and anyway, I, I recommend it. If you're looking for something that's going to light a fire underneath you for uh, how you are to take charge of your family situation, um, if it matters to you, if, if you see the state of this country as reflective of what has happened in our homes then we have to do something different in our homes. Mm -hmm. But if you don't see that and don't make the connection, then we'll just keep doing what we're, what we've been doing and lamenting what we've been lamenting. Yeah. Listen, part of the reason, part of the reason for the declension, part of the reason for the decline in the church in America, well, in the new world, you know, this predates America. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. In the new world, part of the reason for the decline was that you have these people who come here who for those who of whom it was true are seeking religious freedom, who love the Lord Jesus deeply, um, they begin to revel and celebrate this freedom that they had. So the thing that became the focus, right, was not the reason for the freedom. It was the freedom itself. Mm. You understand? So so to say it lightly and gently, that becomes an idol. Yeah. You understand? It's like rather than, than than being true to the reason you're in this land, 
the land itself becomes the thing Mm. rather than the means to protect the thing that was the reason you came here. Yeah. Right. And so because these are the types of things that we battle in the DNA of our country, well, man, you said this is the first time I'd ever heard it said, and it was something I couldn't shake. And you'd refer to this periodically. You, you, you describe the church in America kind of growing up intertwined alongside one another. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling you, if people don't get a picture of that. And so now it's difficult for us to pull and separate and say, okay, wait, 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 that's the church <laughs> and that's the country. <laughs> they're not one in the same. Hold on. No. You got to pull. But be, we've grown up like this. Mm-hmm. And and you get a picture of like, you know, vines all intertwined around. You know what I mean? It's all just kind of yeah. wrapped around. And you're like, hold on a second. Yeah. You know, what is the thing? What's the reason for the founding of this country? Mm. Right. It's not the country for the country's sake. Right. It was the proliferation of the gospel. Amen. It was the protection of the gospel. But what happened is we got comfortable and the thing became what was supposed to be the vehicle became the thing. Yeah. All right. Well, the great. Shall we go to the phone lines? Sure. Let's go to Mark in Ohio. Hi, Mark. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Um, you mentioned Mickey or Mickey mentioned uh, the Puritans a little bit ago. And um, I've got a little copy of the New England Primer. David Barton's mm. ministry puts it out. It's um, it was the school book, the mm-hmm. textbook yeah. used for centuries, basically. It's um, a quarter of an inch thick, a little bit bigger than a three-by-five card, and they got this Mm -hmm. one saying in there. It goes, and this is the old English way they said it, praying will make us leave sinning, or sinning will make us leave praying. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, by praying also, I do believe they would include, of course, Bible study, Mm -hmm. reading the Bible. And I think that is the three, um, those are the three reasons the Church and our country uh, is in the state it's in. Uh, Josh McDowell and others have uh, documented the fact that pornography is <laughs> the majority of the people in the church mm-hmm. look at pornography. Mm-hmm. And uh, biblical illiteracy and prayerlessness mm-hmm. is at an all-time high. I talked to a friend in Indiana who had went to a church pastored by somebody who graduated from Charles Spurgeon's school over in England. He went back because he said the church in America is so prayerless. And I believe prayerlessness, biblical illiteracy, and sin is the reason we as a church are in the state we're in and the reason the country is in the state it's in. And the devil does tempt us. He does try to get us to do things, but it's our choice that lets him. It is our choice that is our downfall. It's not the devil. You know, he's going to tempt us. That's his game. But Mm -hmm. we are choosing to do that, and I believe it's Mm -hmm. because we're insensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting, don't do that, Mm -hmm. don't do that, Mm -hmm. because we're prayerless, Mm -hmm. we're biblically illiterate, and we're just... we're fat and lazy. And I believe mm, we have got to, you know, get back to the basics. And yeah. it talks about the simplicity that is in Christ in the New Testament. The Christian walk really is, um, as far as, uh, what would you call it, technique, for lack of a way better term, it's really simple. Of course, we've got the world, the flesh, and the devil that fight us, but there's just really some simple things that we need to maintain every single day. Charles Spurgeon said the neglect of the prayer closet is the beginning of all spiritual decline. Mm. And he also said, with regard to churches, that the, pra- that the prayer meeting is the spiritual barometer of every church. Mm-hmm. Most churches don't have a prayer meeting anymore. Yeah, you're right about that. Wow, that is Thank so you. well put. Thank you so much for that. Man, those, 
those observations are just chilling. And, you know, when you hear that, it, it kind of takes your breath away and makes you take a step back and, and say, man, I'm that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's us. We, we, we need to take this type of inventory and then we need to reposture ourselves before the Lord. We are not good. Yeah. yeah. We are not great. Right. Right. We need the Lord. All right. Where do we go next? We'll agree. All right. Let's go to Brianna in Kansas. Hi, Brianna. Hi. How are you guys? Good. Hello. good. Great. So we love listening to you. I have a five and a seven year old that we homeschool. Mm-hmm. Um, and on my husband and I's heart lately, we really want to teach them the solid American history, you know, from a Christian perspective. Um, and since you guys are seasoned homeschoolers, I was hoping you would have some good resources or just the best books to start reading with them now and teaching them where America came from and hmm. um, how to be praying Man, I for, really, for America I really feel like time. Okay. I really feel like David Barton is the best place to start. I, I, yeah. I trust um, David Barton and his ministry, um, not only having interviewed him a number of times and just being familiar with him through the work that we do here um, over the years, uh, I would recommend starting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then just, just going from there. But I also, and I think this probably is already understood, Brianna, you probably already are, um, doing this, but making sure that your kids understand the history of the church as well in America. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, those will be two distinct histories. Yeah. yeah. And that's important. Okay. That's, that's one of the ways that we teach our children history is we teach our children that, America has a history and the church has a history in America. Why do we do that? Because the church has a history before America. <laughs> so we, we want them to understand what God was doing in the formation of the church and that the church exists as a separate entity deposited into the United States of America. That's why we also have the church in China, the church in Iran, the church in Iraq, the church in Nigeria, the church in the Philippines. So we have to understand that the church is eternal. And when we talk about history, we have to make sure that we draw that line so that our kids understand what is American history, what is world history, and all also, what is the history of the bride of Christ as God established it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. But for American history, I would start with David Barton. All right. Um, Will the Great, where do we go next? All right. Let's go to Samuel in Texas. Hi, Samuel. Hi, hi, Will and Mickey. Um, yes, I, I really enjoy listening to your shows. And you get a lot out of you. And I really appreciate you and, 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 and thank God for you all. Um, I just wanted to make a point in reference to what... Um, Miki said earlier about the, that the sun was going to rise on choices. You know, it's one of the things is that as American citizens, we have no um, excuse for not making informed decisions. We can go to the Supreme Court of the United States. We can go to the Congress. We can look at all the legislation that's being put in front of the Congress, the bills, who wrote them, who voted, who voted, on, who voted on them and went against them. We can look at the justices, their decisions, their opinions, and who dissented against them. The only thing we don't have is someone who's never been an elected official. We can even do it at the state levels. So I just wanted to bring that point out because yeah. oftentimes we make decisions based off of our ethnicity, and we put that mm. as God Ooh. versus the Word of God. <laughs> and we need to really focus on the Word of God and Scripture, and we wouldn't be in the situation we're in if we were making decisions based on that. Turn our televisions off, 
turned away other things and just re- go take the time to do research and fact finding for ourselves. Mm, great come points. on, amen, great, amen. Great point. Let's try to squeeze in one more call because I think our brother said it perfectly. That's it. You're exactly right. We really have no excuse. All we right. really have no excuse. Where do we go? Let's go to John in Pennsylvania. Hi, John. Hi, hi, uh, Mickey and Will. <clears throat> Here's a hug over the phone to my brothers and sisters, and I'll try real quick to get to the point. When you were saying about um, uh, the separation of, of the church and the world and everything, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. And hearing by the Word, for the last 50, 60 years, maybe generations beyond that, the Word hasn't been preached with power and authority. It's been preached with men's wisdom. And when you preach the Word, that's the foundation of our, of our salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Scripture, talking about Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Our Holy 15 Bible seconds, John. Is, yeah. is the voice of the Lord. And when you hear that, you're encouraged. And like the last caller said, you're encouraged yeah. to do right things. That's right, man. I'm so sorry, John. We had to cut in. We are out of time. But Lord willing, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then. God bless.